You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, where doctors, researchers, authors, nutritionists, and top health professionals share the latest news about staying well and living better. The information you hear today is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, but it's always timely, credible, interesting, and best of all, there's never a copay. Now, here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Hey, thanks for joining us. I am so glad you are here because what you'll hear today could change your future. Yes, that is a bold claim, but hear me out. You know what a huge problem Alzheimer's is going to be for us baby boomers as we age into our 70s, 80s, and beyond. It may not be too late to reduce your risk of Alzheimer's by cutting the amount of sugar in your diet. Dr. Richard Johnson is a researcher and a best-selling author. He recently partnered with some other big names in medicine, publishing a paper in a respected journal that claims high fructose levels may be triggering what behaves like diabetes of the brain. His theory is too much fructose awakens an ancient survival response mechanism that actually blocks energy production in key parts of the brain, leading to inflammation and permanent neuron damage. This is a totally different way to think about Alzheimer's. Most research pins the blame on accumulations of plaque and proteins in the brain. But Dr. Johnson says because he's not trapped in that conventional thinking, his team recognized evidence that others overlooked. So here I am, I'm not a neurologist, and I go, wait, fructose causes low ATP. It's the only nutrient it does. It causes, uh, you know, neuro, it causes inflammation and it causes insulin resistance. This is what we see in the brain of patients with Alzheimer's. So we started looking and we go, you know what? Actually eating sugar is associated with increased risk for Alzheimer's. Eating high fructose corn syrup is associated with an increased risk for Alzheimer's. And also these foods that make fructose like high glycemic carbs and salty food, by gosh, they can increase the risk for Alzheimer's. And obesity, which is driven by fructose and diabetes, they increase the risk. So we have an epidemiologic link, right? Yeah. So, so then we gave fructose to animals. Guess what happens? After about six weeks, the animals start having trouble remembering things. Like you can put the, the, the laboratory rat into a maze and it will, you know, find its way right. through the maze yeah. and you can time how long it gets through there. And a normal rat, each time it goes through, it d- does it a little bit faster. You know, mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. learn. But if you give them sugar or high fructose corn syrup, they don't learn. They, they continue to take a long time to get through the maze. So we know that they're having some uh, what we call cognitive dysfunction, some yeah. problems with thinking. And then uh, when you look in their brain, you find a drop in ATP in the cells. You find low uh, suppression of these energy factors. We find insulin resistance and we find neuroinflammation. And if you keep giving sugar, over time, they start getting amyloid plaques and tau protein. So it seems like it's very likely the mechanism, right? It's showing the whole pathway. Then if you look at patients with Alzheimer's and you measure fructose levels in their brain, they're high. They're Mm. high. So all these things sort of fit. So we go, oh, my gosh, could it be diet? It probably is diet. And so um, what what I tell you is, you know, that doesn't mean 
Don't ever eat sugar. Don't ever eat bread or anything like that. It's all about excessive intake. It's excessive intake. So, you know, please eat, have a cake on your birthday. You know, you know, I'm telling you, you know, that you don't have to completely restrict this, but I'm telling you that eating, you know, hamburgers every day and ice cream and cake all the time will increase your risk for developing this disease. Yeah, you know, that makes so much sense. And and so much of our diet, the grab-and-go diets that so many of us live on today are predominantly high in fat and sugars and carbohydrates. Right. Those are inexpensive things that we've all come to love. Yep. And so I get it how this could all spin into this epidemic of Alzheimer's. But I'll tell you the, 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 the coolest uh, evidence. This is, I think this is the coolest evidence. Alzheimer's tends to affect certain regions of the brain more than others. Mm -hmm. And no one's really ever been able to understand that. Why would it affect, you know, the cerebral temporal cortex, but not so much the occipital cortex? So it's sort of been a mystery, right? So it turns out that when this foraging response that's driven by fructose, so when you give fructose to an animal, they start foraging for food. So it turns out that foraging is where it's at. So the foraging behavior initiated by fructose requires certain behaviors. You have to you have to be able to wander into areas and look around. You have to keep moving. You can't deliberate. You have to look and make quick decisions. You can't have a lot of self-control because you've got to go into areas that are dangerous. And if you have too much self-control, you don't want to go into the lion's den because you know you might get hurt. But here you have to have kind of that impulsivity, that bravery to, to go and do things sort of dangerous because you, when you're foraging, you have to find food even in areas where there may be predators. So you have to be, you know, you have to be strong and brave and impulsive. So it turns out that that a lot of our brain is to help, is to reason and self-control. And so it turns out that when you, dr you drink fructose, if you give fructose to a person, you can show that immediately there's a decrease in blood supply to certain regions of the brain that are involved in self-control. And hmm. those are the insulin-sensitive areas like the cortex and like the hippocampus where it tries to block recent memory. It doesn't want you to remember how dangerous it was last time you were here, you know, so, so it turns out that things like the hippocampus, which is the recent memory, mm -hmm. certain regions of the brain are inhibited by fructose. They become insulin resistant, ATP levels fall. And, uh, and whereas there are other areas like the occipital cortex, which is really important for like seeing food and identifying visual, visual cues, they call it, where you see a delicious cake, your eyes quickly focus on it. That's the visual cortex that, that increases with blood flow when you get fructose. And, mm. and there's another for, there's a foraging center called the anterior cingulate and it, Blood flow goes up there, you know, when you, when you eat fructose. And guess what? In Alzheimer's, the disease affects those areas where fructose inhibits that area of the brain. So like the cortex, the hippocampus, it's like a perfect match. And the areas where fructose stimulates uh, blood flow for foraging, that is, uh, you know, preserved in, in Alzheimer's. It's like one of the last sections ago. So we know that, the, you know, no one's ever been able to map it, but here mm -hmm. we got it. And it's a foraging response. That's and so what we know, so what we know is that when the more sugar you eat, the more fructose you make, 
the more these areas are going to, you know, have their energy go down, become insulin resistant, the, the less fuel. So it, it makes sense that those are the areas that start to atrophy, start to have neuronal dropout. And, uh, and that's where the disease develops. So man, so many follow-ups. So that would imply to me that uh, the damage by the time I'm symptomatic, it's too late and going to a low sugar, low carb diet is probably not going to make that much difference for me if I'm already symptomatic. Is that correct? No, you know what? I think that if you start having early memory problems, it, you're still at a stage where you where you can really be, you know, helped. And I think that diet is probably the best route to go. Um, and uh, and actually probably the very best are, are like the low carb diets and the mm -hmm. keto diets. And there there's a lot of hope. There's also, you know, if you read in my book, uh, Nature Wants Us to Be Fat, I go through all the foods that actually counter this pathway. There are foods that counter this pathway. I mean, like drinking water can be beneficial, believe it or not, because it suppresses some of this vitamin C, um, you know, healthy vegetables and, and uh, you know, natural fruits actually don't have that much fructose and they carry things like vitamin C and epicatechin and all these really interesting right, yeah. compounds that, that can actually counter these effects. So I think that a healthy diet, trying to reduce junk food can have a fantastic effect. Now, if you're, if your brain's already, you know, I mean, if you get a CT scan and you've, yeah. the brain has shrunk a lot, it may not grow back so much, right. but you can, you might be able to stop it from progressing and you can still probably have a great life. Okay. So there's the big idea, but what's the science that shows excessive fructose and salt triggers damage in the brain? We'll get into that with Dr. Richard Johnson in just a moment as we continue our look at what may be causing Alzheimer's disease. That comes up after we hear from some businesses I hope you'll support because they support the Health Call Radio Hour. You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, your regular weekend appointment with top healthcare professionals, where every session is painless and we never keep you waiting. Now back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Welcome back to our look at how high sugar diets may be the root cause of Alzheimer's. If you are just tuning in, you missed Dr. Richard Johnson explain his research that shows excessive fructose triggers a biochemical response from the days way back long ago when we were hunter-gatherers. Instead of feeding the brain, high fructose robs the brain of energy by shutting down production of something called ATP that is a key source of energy for our cells. Now, I really didn't enjoy biochemistry class at all, but I think you're going to be interested to hear Dr. Johnson explain the science of what makes fructose different and how it can actually drive brain damage. It actually is distinct from all other nutrients in that hmm. it can uh, stimulate uh, hunger, uh, appetite foraging, uh, and, and it can activate a biologic process that can lead to obesity. In essence, fructose uh, turns out to be used by animals in nature to try to, for example, to, to gain weight. So it's actually was meant to be a survival benefit. Classic example is the uh, 
bear that wants to hibernate mm -hmm. uh, through winter. You know, uh, winter's coming. There's not going to be so much food around. And so the, the bear has to prepare for the hibernation by putting on fat. And when they eat all that fruit, uh, the, they get a fair amount of fructose and it activates this switch that makes them hungry, forage for food, start gaining weight. They become, they can't control their appetite. Uh, and they, they develop insulin resistance and fatty liver and all the things that we call metabolic syndrome is really what, uh, these animals do to prepare for, for winter. And, uh, and it's, uh, turns out that the way the fructose works is very unique to, to fructose. It, it tricks the body into thinks into thinking it's hungry and it does it. Yeah. Let me let me stop you there. So see if I can take that apart. So your contention is that our the the availability of sugar in everything. I mean, high fructose corn syrup is all over the place. And not only that, but high glycemic foods, very starchy carbohydrates, their bodies convert to sugar, forces us into this survival mechanism, this hibernation mode, and we just live there all the time. How is that damaging our brain? You know, normally when you eat food. You use it to generate energy. And mm -hmm. we, we have two kinds of energy. We have the energy that we actively use, and that has a special name. It's called ATP. And then there's an energy that we, if, it's, if we have excessive energy, we can store it. And the principal way we store energy is to make fat. So if you think about total energy, it's sort of fat plus the ATP we have. And it's the ATP that's in us that we use to run and walk and talk and do everything we do. So when we eat food, we're using it to produce ATP and that extra energy kind of gets spilled over into fat if we don't okay. use it. Well, that's the way we were thinking it worked, but it's actually a little bit trickier. What fructose does is a trick and it, you know, the ATP are, are made in a place that we call them energy factories or mitochondria. And our mitochondria are making all of this energy for us um, in the form of ATP. What fructose does is it suppresses the, the mitochondria from making ATP. So there's less ATP made. So we have less active energy. So our active energy drops by like 30 or 40% when we drink a soft drink, for example. And when that active energy drops, the food we're eating gets converted into fat right away because, because uh, the, the active energy is suppressed. And so the food has to go to some form of energy. So it goes into the fat. So what happens is it's a low ATP state and it's yeah. that low ATP state that turns out to be uh, playing a role in how Alzheimer's, uh, we think Alzheimer's develops. So you're saying that we're starving the brain of energy by all of this fructose intake? It seems to be, you know, really, really scary uh, disease that's uh, increasing. We don't know the cost. Now, when Alzheimer first described it, basically he said, well, you know, what we see is a sh shrunk brain, an atrophied brain. The brain shrinks and uh, loses it, the neurons, which are the key things that we need for thinking. You know, it's our key, the key aspect of the brain are the neurons. And when he looked, he found that there were these plaques of amyloid and these, uh, this protein called tau protein that was accumulating in the neurons. 
And for the last 50 years, mm -hmm. we have thought of Alzheimer's as really a disease due to the amyloid plaques. And so everyone has been going after the amyloid plaques. Can we find a way to block the amyloid plaques? Mm -hmm. So people start thinking, you know, maybe, maybe the disease, you know, maybe these amyloid plaques are kind of, they come at the end of the disease and there's something that's initiating it. And by treating the amyloid plaques, we're not getting to the underlying cause. So the, the amyloid plaques might be the brain. I've read that a theory is these amyloid plaques and the tau tangles are a defensive mechanism that the brain is putting forward, the, the immune system is putting forward to protect itself against these other factors. Yeah, it's possible that it could be that. And so what, 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 what we do know is that there's some earlier features that pre precede the amyloid plaques. And there's, there's three things that have been identified. One is that there seems to be um, a problem with the mitochondria. The energy factories start making less ATP. There's some kind of suppression going on of those mitochondria where they're making less ATP. It's not making ATP the way it's supposed to. The second thing that we see is that there's the development of insulin resistance in the brain. And although some regions of the brain don't require insulin, a lot of areas do, and they become resistant to the effects. And what that means is that glucose, the main fuel, can't get into those brain cells as easily because so, insulin is used to bring glucose right. in as a fuel. So there's less fuel for the neurons. So they're not getting enough neuro, uh, they're not getting enough energy, and they're making less ATP. And the third one is that there's a low-grade inflammation that occurs. Mm -hmm. and, and this has led people to say, okay, look, with the insulin resistance in the brain, let's give insulin through the no nostrils. Let's try to give it through the nose and see if we can get insulin in the brain to help. Or let's try to block inflammation with this monoclonal. Or let's try to, uh, you know, try to stimulate the mitochondria somehow. But again, it seems like they're treating the consequence, you know, what's going on, mm -hmm. rather than they don't really know what's causing this. And what's fantastic is um, our hypothesis basically lays out how this whole thing happens. The bottom line is you're kind of describing diabetes of the brain is what it sounds like. Yes. In fact, it's sometimes called diabetes of the brain. So what do you think? Makes sense? Does to me. Dr. Richard Johnson says intermittent fasting, low-carb diets, exercise, all the things we know that help prevent diabetes can also help you prevent Alzheimer's. Now, maybe this explains why people who take metformin tend to have a lower rate of Alzheimer's in general. Fructose is in thousands of food products all around us, so here's a tip. Aldi, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods Market, and some other groceries ban products that contain high-fructose corn syrup. That makes life a little easier when you're shopping. If you want to do a deeper dive into all of this, check out the video version of our interview. You'll find it at the Health Call website. Just go to healthcall.live. A whole new group of drugs have been approved that are a real breakthrough in slowing Alzheimer's. But the key is you have to spot the symptoms very early while the drugs can make a difference. We'll talk to researchers who think your cell phone is going to play a key role in that process. We do that in the second half of today's Health Call Radio Hour.
podcast by Federated Media.